Welcome to Buzz Talk Business Show. Each episode, we bring you news and interviews with local businesses, discuss business tips and advice on how to get started or the best out of your business. Welcome to Buzz Talk Business Show. It's been a while, actually been a quite a while since we last spoke to you. So yeah, it must indeed. have been what, a year? Oh, a good year. Yeah. So tell me what you've been doing in that year that we haven't seen you for a while. I have been working with tons of small businesses that are having a very exciting time at the moment. Um, it's a challenge for a lot of small businesses and uh, interesting things happening in the economy, costs of uh, living, um, that's having an impact on businesses as well. There's a lot of things that haven't been talked about there, for example, in the media. The, the cost of overdrafts, the cost of business borrowing have all increased as well as the, the cost of everybody's mortgage. That's been the, the kind of focus of the, the newspapers. Um, but on the flip side, there's a lot of new businesses starting up. There's a, there are people everywhere that have either been made redundant and decided to go out and, and live life on their terms and start a small business, or there are people that have got to the, the end of uh, retirement and they still want a side income as well so i'm seeing a lot of um, energy in the small business sector at the moment which makes it an exciting time for so i spend a lot of time on social media like um a bit like my marketing you know going out see what's out there and available who can invite in because i kind of see a lot of new businesses i haven't seen before that's yeah. kind of new you can tell them when they're kind of new because the followers are very low to start with you know so you're gonna, oh, it's nice to see that change see new shops opening as well um new ideas and shops um it's really interesting we saw a few months ago that um that jump from twitter to threads and what i found with threads was as soon as you started to go on there and, and search geographically for people you're starting to see a whole new audience that you weren't aware of before so tell me tell me how that works because i don't really do much on Twitter, yeah. I kind of link them so I, I don't have to deal with it. So what's changed in Twitter? That's so the ownership of Twitter changed uh, to Elon Musk yep. over a little while. Um, Twitter's quite a, an interesting place to, to have conversations. It's very politically fueled at times. It's quite an emotive place. And uh, Mark Zuckerberg decided that they were going to put a, a product into the marketplace to complete, which uh, c- to compete with uh, Twitter, which is called Threads, and it's a carbon copy. Um, to a large extent, but it meant that everybody was starting their social media journey all over again. Okay, like a hard hard reset. And and if you think about that hard reset, you can think, well, actually, who do I want in my circle of of influence? Who do I want to talk to? Who do I want to spend time listening to? And for me, as I say, that that gave me the opportunity to look very hyper-local as to who are the accounts here in Cambly, who are the accounts in Farnborough, who do I want to follow? And... It was a really interesting opportunity that when you saw somebody new pop up in uh, Farnborough or Camberley or Guildford and it says, uh, you know, they've start, set, posted their first thread, I'd then comment on it and say, welcome to, to Threads. Yeah, great to see you here. Tell us about your business. And it sparked so many conversations with new people that I never would have connected with before. Whereas Twitter... Um, there's a lot of political parties on there. There's a lot of political bots that are driving messages um, in a very different way than than uh, the newer platforms at the moment. There's there's a lot of new social media platforms out there. Mastodon's another one. Uh, there's another one called Blue Sky that's just in beta phase at the moment. So that kind of social media landscape is is changing as we as we speak. I've noticed that on my um, changing my web theme and stuff. There's a lot more social media icons appearing. I think, oh, that's new. That's not seen that. So I still kind of stick to like your Facebook and your, your Twitter or, or kind of X yeah. now, um, and Instagram. I find um, TikTok's kind of. I I think TikTok is very much um, um, what you call it. Um, it's 
there's so many people on it to point it you can't you can't make any kind of movement forwards yeah so we are post some stuff on there like the other day alex did something really funny uh couldn't stop him giggling was just in an intro put up on there within like seconds it rose to two thousand views then it kind of just stopped and then i posted um two outtakes from tammy's video we did at the dressing up shop and i did it on shorts on youtube and jumped to twelve thousand views within an hour it's like, wow, that does more than just shorts. It's phenomenal how the different audiences yeah. and the different platforms can have a totally different effect on the same piece of content. And if you repost the same piece of content that's done particularly well, sometimes it will do really well again, and other times it will uh, absolutely bottom out. So so the, the kind of algorithms that sit behind there, there's a lot of people that say, oh, we can hack the algorithm, we can do this, that and the other. But sometimes it just feels like you're in the hand of the gods when when you're posting something. Just praying. Yeah. <laughs> Post and pray. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your what's your favourite top two um, social media platforms? I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. That's my kind of professional platform to be on. Um, Facebook, again, you're kind of in that age range of the 40-somethings the are still quite busy on uh, link on uh, facebook it also messenger as a whole messenger and whatsapp are, are so day-to-day used in our businesses now yeah. that that kind of being on the, the meta platforms quite an important place to be but for fun um where i sit there 10 o'clock at night thumbing through is uh, is, is definitely either twitter or threads because that's where i tend to find the the uh, the news that's unfiltered uh, yeah a little bit more on uh, on twitter and threads so so that's that's tend to, tends to be my um, social platform more than anything and we've got the new kind of thing coming now it's talked about quite a bit um they seem to be adding in a lot more software as well and we've got ai we have ai has got a phenomenal um set of uh, of opportunities for small business at the moment so that's that's a really exciting thing i've spent about two years researching different uh, different parts of ai and how it's going to affect business as well and i think most people are totally blase and unaware apart from ChatGPT that's been on the front page of the Telegraph regularly. That, that's um, like everyone, because everyone talks about that. Um, I've got Grammarly, which I normally use anyway, because my English is not brilliant, so I kind of yeah. put it in there and realise um, AI has been added as like Grammarly Go. Yeah. Oh, I'll try that one out, because it's obviously based on credit as well. Yeah. Um, so I start putting some of my titles in there, and they pop back. I thought, that sounds, that pops. So we, we use that. And then re- rewriting, I kind of just put a couple of paragraphs in, uh, as long as you've got the company name, if it's well known on the internet, it goes off, comes back, a whole history of stuff yeah. as if thinking, that's really good. So if you think about the impact that that's going to have on the, the business community, um, in a lot of ways, AI is just searching for patterns. So patterns of text is what you're talking about yeah. with uh, with Grammarly and ChatGPT and other things, uh, other engines. There's, there's four main engines to artificial intelligence, image-based and language-based engines. And... Uh, to a large extent, most of it is pattern-based. So bookkeeping is literally matching a um, a figure on a bank statement with a figure on an invoice. So bookkeeping can be automated and systemized through artificial intelligence really, really quickly. So in the next few years, I say few years because it's probably going to be months rather than years, um, the accountancy industry is going to change from all the menial, mundane, day-to-day tasks will start to disappear because they'll become automated and our accountants and bookkeepers will do the high-skilled tasks, the tax planning um, and bits like that. If you look at the other parts of AI, the image processing is fantastic. I can take a picture of myself and I can turn myself into an astronaut and all sorts of other interesting things for fun. But that same image engine can be taught to look for similarities and differences. So you think about those puzzles you did as a kid spot the difference 
Well, that is the technology that's behind looking for breast cancer in x-rays because they've programmed the system with hundreds of images of what a tumour looks like in breast cancer and all the varieties of, of medical history of, of tumours and then it programs them with what a good image looks like. And very quickly, in seconds, it can start to detect on new, new files what is a good product or a good um, x-ray and what's a bad x-ray. So there's phenomenal opportunities for business and for healthcare um, for law and so many different areas. I think people just aren't switched on to it yet. So there's a, a gentleman that's often misquoted um, called Klaus Schwab, um, and he's he wrote a book about the fourth industrial revolution. And this is... Conspiracy theorists love the book, but if you actually think about the un, underlying principle of artificial intelligence is that we automate mundane tasks. So tasks like driving having an automatic car that drives itself, or a driverless car, um, takes the, the risk of humans having accidents, mm-hmm. takes away those tiredness when you're driving. You know, taxi drivers' jobs will disappear. Lorry drivers' jobs will disappear. Bus drivers' jobs will disappear. And we're in that dangerous phase that we could be like the coal miners of the 1970s. You know, my, my family was always taxi drivers, or my family was always coal miners. And are we going to adapt and change and upskill... And that's the, the real challenge for people, you know, understanding what the opportunities are and then retraining to kind of stay relevant, really. I remember reading an article when they're talking about, like, uh, automated car driving. Um, we know it's kind of, it's here, but obviously laws kind of saying still be sit behind and drive that. But they're kind of saying now that we could be all having poor cars that we don't actually own. Yeah. And we could just put it on a bit like an Uber, but obviously self-drives, picks yep. you up, drops you off. We've got three in vehicles in our family of which one car's always sat at home because there's only two of us to drive. So could I literally dial a, an Uber or an Enterprise a car club car on a, on a Thursday for it to be delivered itself on the Friday? I see village halls and stuff like that effectively becoming carpools in the future if we're smart. You know, you could have 10 or 20 car charging points, a bit like the Tesla stations that we see about. And, you know, you just book your 4x4 four four or your convertible or the van that you need to move house at the weekend and it arrives and then delivers itself back when you've finished with it. If you think about the cost of ownership actually it's a smart decision smart for yeah. the economy smart for the uh, the environment as well because i noticed sam um, they also talked about having all these electric cars plugged into charging so if we have a peak in power that needs to be back on the grid the grid can pull it from the cars when you wake up in the morning it's recharged again um it's another way of plugging into the network there's a lot happening in the, the green science my background was electrical engineering for for 20 years and there's a lot happening there in the background where we've got phenomenal opportunities, but the infrastructure's got to catch up and yes. catch up very, very quickly. There's a lot of investment being made there at the moment. Take, take a bit, but it, it, we'll get there. I, I think, think we'll get there, there sooner than we actually think. We're a similar kind of age, and uh, I'm sure you'll remember that the Jetsons on television as a child, we were thinking about flying cars by the year 2000. So I'm a little bit disappointed, really, that we've kind of got to 2023. We've not got the flying cars. We've not got the robots in, in our house to the same extent. But I think we're going to see... There's a, a, gent- uh, a, a law of, of technology called Moore's Law, which talks about the, the processing speeds increasing exponentially every time that they, they release a new processor. And I think we're going to see that um, with artificial net intelligence now. It's going to be so quick in the uptake in different things. There's a, a company called Seeing Machines that have got a fan- fantastic piece of software. It's got a camera in um, lorries, you know, these big 
dumper trucks, big um, excavators, and it monitors the driver's face all the time that they're driving these massive mining pieces of equipment. Yeah. And then a, on, and train drivers, it's another great example. But they can see when you're starting to have micro-sleeps or facial changes that relate to you um, going to sleep. And if we can prevent all those kind of accidents with clever technology, just think about how quickly the, the world becomes a little bit of a safer place through actually very simple technology. And also, I think there was, um, is, it, is it Tokyo? I think it might be Tokyo, where their underground tubes are all automated, been automated for quite some years now. Yeah. So when it feels like it's got an issue, it parks itself to get and books itself into repair. Yeah. And they're kind of saying that, you know, um, it doesn't take holiday, it, it doesn't go sick. <laughs> And it's, they've been doing it for quite, quite years. You know, you, you, without getting emotive about the union side of things, it wasn't that long ago that, uh, I mean, we've got a monorail at Gatwick Airport, and that's been there for 20 or 30 years. So the technology's there, and we can make it safe, and we can. the more we invest in it, the safe we can make it. So it's interesting, interesting times. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, definitely interesting times. <laughs> so, um, is anything anything sticks out to you that, um, from the AI or the new changes that are coming up that you kind of like the most? It's, it's very interesting. Small businesses focus on bright, shiny things, and actually, there's a lot of things that you can do which are very basic that can save you time. So I'm a great advocate of doing anything that's going to give me more time back in my day. So there's things. Um, a fancy industry term for it is robot, robotic process automate, uh, robotic process automation, um, which basically means getting the computer to do the, the mundane things. So there's tools out there that can clean your inbox of all the spam on a regular basis. If you're like me, you get hundreds of emails a day, and actually there's probably five or six that you actually need to look at. Um, they can be flagged, colour-coded, um, put into spam folders, bits and pieces like that. That's a great tool. Another one um, is... Uh, using tools that if you're holding Zoom meetings that actually annotate your meeting for you. So the artificial intelligence listens to the conversation, creates a set of notes and an agenda and a list of action points from your meeting. So at the end of it, you've just got to edit that document. And that will save a lot of time. That saves a huge... You think about all the parish council mm. meetings, all the business meetings, things like that, um, and a free piece of software at the moment can do that for you. So there's lots of small things that I say to people, go and look at the things that are going to make your life easier. Whatever you're doing at the moment that's mundane and monotonous and you're doing it on a regular basis, find a way to automate that before you think about doing the clever and the, the fun things. We talked about cleaning the audio, um, the video files and the, the audio files from here, taking out background noise. You know, That's something that before you would have spent hours playing with levels and trying to to get things right and that can do it in probably a minute or, or less now yeah because I, I always have done recording think oh it's got that background noise in it or that yeah. or that car made me jump and you know you think it's going to sound awful and it kind of sometimes depends on the microphone you've got to invest a lot of microphones to get the decent bit yeah. but now that feature came um this year from final cut pro and i'm going Wow, that's going to change so much. Photoshop at the moment, they've introduced another new artificial intelligence feature. Um, my partner runs a photography studio and they would have all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of different floors and she photographs babies so it would be on a wooden floor and then it would be on a coloured background and literally they can draw a, a um, marquee around the, the object, you get the marching ants and then you can tell it what you want the new background to be and Photoshop will go off and find an image to, to put into there. That opens a whole new set of conversations about copyright and who owns the final image if all of the component parts have come from different sources. But it, they're healthy conversations that we can have. And there's yeah. a, a, lot of, um, a lot of people on their high horse about plagiarism and things like that at the moment. And I think we can use artificial intelligence as a basis in our marketing and, and bits like that. Um, but we do still want it to have our voice. Yeah. So 
still got it all like, like human element. People buy from people. Yeah. We want to hear your experience. The reason we're here talking today is because we're sharing a, a moment together, but we're, we're sharing the experiences that we've had to give each other knowledge that we yeah. wouldn't, didn't have beforehand. So I think actually the human interactions that we have will become more and more important when there's more of that kind of automated, machine-driven messages out there in the marketplace as well. Can you... Let's kind of, we'll finish this off, because obviously we've been yep. chatting for a while, but can you predict what you may think will be coming up in the next couple of years? Very interesting. I had this conversation with an um, economic development officer from the council, and he said to me, uh, what do you think the jobs of the future will be? And I thought, do you know what? I think that uh, AI is going to simplify our lives enough for us that we're going to start to focus on the big humanity problems in the next 10 years. So I think that the, the jobs of the future, there's a ton of jobs to do with artificial intelligence and computer programming, but I think the real problems um, of energy and resources are going to be the focus of the, the jobs for the, the kind of next generation once we've, once we've mastered that computer generation. Interestingly, a few years ago there was some, some statistics out there about how much computer resources it took for you to send a tweet and for that to live on in the uh, the universe of computing and uh, nobody's really having the conversation about artificial intelligence and the, the resources that are going to be needed to power all of this AI you know Google and various other companies have been putting data centers into the the, the north and south pole recently you know how much resource is that going to take yeah, that's the upside, isn't it? You've got all this AI power, but the AI power requires a, like a data centre of its own yeah. to power the mind. Well, the, the, the thought I'll leave you with, really, if I, if I put a data centre under the sea in the Antarctic or the Arctic Circle, and I'm doing that to cool my data centre, as an engineer, my background would say that if we're moving energy from one place to another... We, tr we do a transfer of energy. So if we move it from electricity to heating, you know, we, we burn the electricity to heat something. So if we're going to cool something, where's the heat going? Yeah. So are we going to cause more problems for ourselves by cooling all these data centres and warming up the, the Arctic Circle water in exchange for cooling the data centres? So I think there's a massive conversation when we have that about uh, the, uh, the environment and what we're going to do with technology in the next uh, next hundred years, really. Yeah, I mean, from my IT point of view, is uh, when things run faster, they generate a lot more, much more yep. energy. And uh, now we're on com um, quantum computing. Yep. That requires a hell of a lot of cooling down. So, yeah, that's a good point. There's some interesting conversations. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me. Really enjoyed it. Thank Great. you. Thank you for listening. And remember, we are always looking for existing and new businesses to talk to. So if you'd like to be part of our Buzz Talk business show, email us at info at buzzpodcast.co.uk. You can find us on Apple, Amazon, Google and Spotify. And remember to check our website, buzzpodcast.co.uk. So till next time, stay positive and we can help push your business forward.